Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba in the Bloom, episode 13, after a week off because it's so much fun and a little delay because they've even more fun. We are back and ready to get things going for you. Going to talk about the top 180p review it. That's what our plan was last week, so it should be a lot of fun to see what went right, what went wrong so far in draft season as we are at the halfway point of the season. We'll talk weekly matchups and all kinds of other fun stuff as usual. You can find myself on Twitter at BDNTrick and my co-host is always on Twitter at Ryan BHQ, Ryan Bloomfield. How we doing, man? Doing excellent, Bubba. Yeah, a little bit of a different different flavor this week. A Friday matinee for us, but that that's all right. Anytime we can kind of hang and talk baseball on the way to the weekend is a good thing. Exciting show, I think. Exciting topic yeah. tonight, the or today. I just keep saying tonight. Um, yeah. Top one hundred, and just kind of looking back, like at draft season. I know we're only halfway through the year, uh, or at least we're maybe a game or two past. But a good time to kind of check back and. See what went right, what went wrong. I do know that we we were kind of usurped with the top 100 by the FTN Fantasy yeah. Podcast with with Vlad Sedler and Maddie Davis. I have not listened to that yet. I know they did kind of like a top five rounds or something uh, recap. Yeah. So I didn't want to didn't want to bias myself before the episode. I'll check them out this weekend sometime. But uh, but yeah, kind of funny. We great minds think alike. Had the same kind of idea at the midway yeah. point. If uh, if life didn't get in the way, we would have knocked this one out and been first to the table. I and mean, no worries, but here we are. Excuses, We're talk- excuses. It's yep, all good. Always, always. The so top 100 would be lots of fun. But as usual, we'll kick things off with recent news. And we actually have more this week than usual, unfortunately. But we'll try to fly through it here and see what we can find. We start off with UC Kikuchi. You say Kikuchi going to the IL with a neck injury, apparently. I think it's because he's getting shelled 
but um, we'll see how that goes. I was funny because on Tuesday's show with with Toby, I was like, I, I bet I took the two steps. I was looking forward to it. He got a great match against Oakland, gets shelled. I'm like, maybe he just gets hurt and misses his next start. Well, here we are. He's getting the, uh, the IL stint. What's your thoughts on this one? I think it's more of a let's just give him a breather. Could be. I had Kikuchi on TGFBI for that reason, too, uh, for this week. And I guess getting shelled by Oakland. I guess he gave up like four runs, but that probably is. I think he walked like five, though, and hit two. He couldn't throw a strike. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, So maybe a little bit of like a Carlos Carrasco type. You're getting shelled. We're going to take you out and nail you. Um, Either way, like their performance hasn't been great. And like... It's funny, we talked about the, you know, everyone kind of talked about the Toronto rotation heading into the season, and that is a beleaguered rotation right now. Uh, Jose Barrios is healthy, but like obviously not not pitching that great. You've got Kikuchi out, you've got Hinjin Ryu out, you've got, you've got Gossman kind of out. I mean, it's an ankle thing, it's not a... Uh, not an arm thing. There's not really, and Pearson hasn't hasn't pitched, so like the saviors are obviously Alec Manoa and then like Cross Stripling right now holding it together there's not really i mean there's not really a replacement that i'm looking at even in like al tat wars uh, it's just the, that they have been hit so hard that the that the rotation depth is just not there and it's kind of interesting like the jays just from a real baseball standpoint are falling back i mean they're fourth in the al east i think they're still three or four games above 500 but lost to the mariners last night thursday night and i think the mariners are like three games out of the wild card so if the Blue Jays do not improve and get that rotation back healthy. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting um, summer to see how they how they patch this together. They also have a few underperforming hitters. We'll probably talk about later on too in the top one hundred. So most definitely we will talk about them. Yeah, the, the rotation's a joke. <laughs> That's the best way I could say it. So I'm I'm curious to see what they do because if they're still in it, you'd imagine they've put so much in. They've invested so much already. They're going to have to make a move. You think? But um, like Frankie Montas would have been a good one. But let's talk Frankie Montas shoulder injury and he's basically day-to-day he's gonna miss at least one start i think he might find the il here pretty soon it's like why do the a's want to rush him back they need him healthy to trade him this makes no sense um there's really no replacement in oakland unless i'm oblivious to the situation <laughs> so um it's, it's a bad deal because montas was actually pitching pretty darn good and we were just waiting for the day he got traded to a real team but that just is not going to happen right now ryan yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's karma as opposed to unfortunate for the A's for what they did to that team this year. And they're kind of one major trade piece that they have in Montas is IL'd as we approach the deadline. So, um, yeah, not much of a takeaway like this. <laughs> their top starting pitcher in the minors. I have already been burned by this season. That's Zach Logue. Just did not do much for me at all. I, I think I think Oakland's just going to try and piece this together, play out the string with pitchers that you really don't. Outside of like a a really great matchup at home in that park, you don't really want to be surfing in these uh, in these waters. It's it's ugly. It's been ugly all season. I don't think it's going to get much better. Uh, no, for no. A's fans. No, Irvin had some hope at one time. Caprillion had some hope at one time, and it's uh, it's bleak, deep, deep leagues is where that hope goes. So, uh, yeah, just stay away from Oakland for the most part. It's a rough go. I will say, side note, somehow in a Yahoo, Ramon Laureano is like 25% rostered, so you guys got to fix that because he's actually playing good. But I uh, just want to throw that out there. That one, I saw that last night, and that shocked me. I'm like, I know Yahoo's different, but 25%, guys, come on. Like He's a little better than that. 
Um, next up, Michael Lorenzen to the IL with a shoulder injury. That's never good, of course. And he's had a rough go of it. The take home here is bring back Reed Detmers. It's either good for stacking against in DFS or rostering in leagues. I'm not going to roster him. So what's your thoughts on Reed Detmers? It's interesting. Yeah, like we've talked about Detmers a couple of times on the pod. I've seen that after the no-hitter, but then getting sent back down. And I kind of kind of crapped on his no-hitter because it was like a two-strikeout performance. But Reed Detmers, his last start at AAA, Salt Lake, six innings, three hits, one walk, 14 strikeouts, and, and 90 pitches. Like, it's easy to say that you've been burned by him and you're not going to pick him up. You just immediately kind of shoo him away. I believe Detmers is pitching this afternoon or tonight, uh, Friday night. And so we'll see what he looks like. If he pitches well in that outing, I'm, I might actually be interested in fab this weekend, just because I don't have any kind of inside information or whatever, but when someone turns that around, even though it's a triple a start like that, did he go back to the minors work on something that we don't know about? And, and now something's starting to click. Um, I am actually pretty interested in at least watching Detmers this evening and seeing what happens because I think I do think that we need to oftentimes in fantasy have short memories for some of these guys that have burned us in the past. And, um, and Detmers could be that guy. I mean, he's got the prospect pedigree. He's got the stuff like he's mm-hmm. he's on people's radars or was on people's radars for a reason. And it just hasn't clicked for him. But uh, anytime you kind of and this is kind of when you jump, especially on pitchers that can kind of change themselves real quick. If it's a mechanical tweak, new pitch, velocity, whatever. Um, definitely going to be watching his start Friday night and, and, and closely and and maybe even bidding on the guy in fab. Yeah. Part of me wishes he wasn't pitching to like Monday. Because he could go get him for like a buck or two and speculate. Because if he deals tonight, we know how that story is going to go. Because the one thing you mentioned is there were a lot of very smart people that were high on him coming into the season. So the pedigree is there. And we saw signs of it, especially in the spring training, which I know is not the end all be all. Neither is AAA. But he's showing he can throw strikes. He's showing he can dominate hitters. The A's are a AAA team. So he's going to get to play them a few times. Like there's options out there for him to take advantage of situations. So it's definitely something to – to monitor uh, on Friday night, as Ryan said. This one stings. Evan Longoria, he's like everybody's like, he's an old guy, but he's got some power, hits lefties well. Goes to the IL with a left oblique, oblique injury, which is never good, especially for the power situation. Um, bright side is, is the world is about to find out who David VR is. And David VR had some serious pop in the minors this year and last year, over 20 home runs already this year in the minors. And uh, the early numbers aren't great, but he's barreling the ball almost 29% of the time. So, and the max EV not great, still a 101. So, I'm very optimistic. This is, and people know that I'm very pessimistic when it comes to the Giants. I at least like the idea of a VR, especially in deeper formats, to produce some power for you. So, what's your thoughts on this Longoria situation? I think VR will be the guy. Then again, they will might platoon for all we know, but I think they're going to give him a little bit of a run here. Yeah, VR and and the interesting thing too, like I kind of I I just you know no offense to your boys, but from a fantasy standpoint, I get so nervous rostering San Francisco hitters just because of the platoon thing and all that. VR since he got called up, uh, the in four games this week, they faced two lefties, two righties, and he's played. He started all four games, so he played second base, and that's the other thing. He played second base against the lefties, 
and played third base against the righties on Wednesday and Thursday. So it sounds like, or at least so far, it looks like San Francisco is going to at least give him some, some everyday run and, and kind of see what happens. So yeah, you see like the, the double a slash line last year, 275, 374, 507. And then this year, triple a on base over 400 slugging 630. Like I know triple a caveats aside. Um, but this is somebody who I I'm pretty interested in if he continues to play, every week uh we'll see how long longori is out but um yeah david vr it, it's it's not always promising to roster someone on your team who's number 70 yeah uh, wearing number 70 on the field it's it, it does have that kind of late march spring training vibe but you can't argue with the recent results and if the playing time's there um you know why not why not take a shot yeah, I'm intrigued. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. This one stings. Tyler Molle was pitching very, very yeah. well this year. Shoulder strain. He's reporting that it's not too serious and expects to be back right after the All-Star break. Anytime I hear a shoulder strain, I don't care how serious it is, it's still concerning. Um, but he was getting us together in a very big way. He, Graham Ashcraft, I think, is the benefactor of this, if that's what you want to call it. But uh, what's your thoughts on this Molly situation? Yeah, I think Ashcraft gets a little a little longer run, which, you know, may or may not be actually good for your team. Nick Lodolo's back, so like from a timing standpoint, that doesn't hurt the Reds too much. Obviously, you, you hate to lose Mally because, like you said, Bubba, um, you know, terrible start to the season. Mally had a 6.45 ERA, five April starts in June. He had a 2.94 ERA and a 39 to six strikeout to walk rate. Like that's um, that is some pretty darn good improvement. And so I just. I don't know. It's always with shoulders. It's always easy. They get real scared. And and you just kind of hope in this instance that it's more of like, a, and we might start to see this a little bit more this coming week, a pre all-star break shutdown, like, you know, take the week off before the all-star break. Then you get the all-star break. It kind of goes, it goes, you know, you kind of get two weeks off to rest. The Reds have nothing to play for. That's the optimistic side. That's what I'm hoping for. And then from all accounts, that's what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been burned by trusting you know media reports at face value before uh so it's hard to tell but that that's the hope is that um ashcraft gets maybe a couple more starts goes back down ladolo sticks he's got luis castillo in there for now we'll see what happens with that trade and then uh mally comes back after the all-star break ready to go yeah i'm with you i'm hoping it's not too serious and you, you mentioned that it is, we might be seeing this. Like, Lorenzen seems kind of serious, but I think this is already the third shoulder strain we've discussed so far to start the show. And now we have a fourth one, Kyle Hendricks, to the IL with the shoulder strain. And he's been pitching pretty bad this year, but he seemed to be getting – before his last year, was getting better. So it's kind of surprised me. I didn't see him get hurt or anything, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, Anderson Espinosa got the call. He's kind of a long man. doesn't look like the Cubs will need a fifth man, I think, through the All-Star break. So we'll see. But uh, Hendricks, maybe it's a breather to get things right for him as well. We'll see. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Jake Berger to the IL. This is kind of a bummer because he was hitting really well, kind of cooling down a little bit, platooning with uh, Gavin Sheets. But uh, he's going to the IL. Uh, any thoughts on Berger? Is he droppable? What's your What's your status on him? Probably droppable. Just, I mean, kind of sucks the timing. Uh, droppable in leagues where you don't have IL just because the IL stints are piling up. Um, see how long, how long he's out for. But Jake Berger was, I mean, picking things up pretty well recently. And now it's uh, now it's kind of funny. Like, it's gone first circle. Now it's Yuan Moncada, who has been playing third base every day. 
but now I know Moncada was banged up or got hurt uh, later in or the middle of this week. So who knows, man? It's the White Sox. They have had one of the worst uh, fits of injury luck of any team this season. Uh, they've they've got a pretty pretty brutal lineup that they're that they're rolling out there, even with Tim Anderson at the top. I know they just got Eloy back, so they're kind of getting back to full strength, but uh, they just can't seem to all be healthy at the same time. Yeah, it's a shame because it seemed like after last season they were so close to like doing it, and now they just can't stay healthy right now. And that's the the shame of it all. A couple more to to discuss quickly here. Chris Taylor out with a fractured foot. Uh, my yeah. goodness, that's another one. You know, Ozzy Albies have that one. Now I got Chris Taylor. Um, this the the Dodgers always had that embarrassment of riches of depth. But I will say this much: we look at roster resource. And I was actually watching the game. I think it was last night or the night before, and. Um, Jake Lamb is playing regularly for them. He's scheduled at DH, and I, was, I literally had to double take. Go wait, Jake Lamb is getting playing time in LA. I thought this team was deep, but this is where we're at right now. When I lived in Arizona, watched the Diamondbacks uh, every day, and we all we all called him Rake Lamb. And we were yep. just we were we were fired up, and and Rake Lamb never never hit against lefties. Would never play against lefties, and there's always free Rake Lamb. And, and I don't know. I guess we were a little bit too. Uh, little bit too optimistic there so yeah like the ghost of jake lamb is back and who knows if you know maybe find some magic with the dodgers i mean it's going to be a platoon it's going to be jake lamb and probably like trace thompson um going against lefties with lamb on the strong side of the platoon it does i will say i have chris taylor in a lot of leagues and just kind of the the, the versatility the five categories that you know modest five category production but five category nonetheless that's a huge hit uh, just you know at all the positions he was I think it was second third and outfield so like you get all the corners the middles um, very helpful throughout the season and fractured foot it sounds it sounds bad like it sounds at least August um, I have a decision to make this weekend I know in my main event of whether to keep Chris Taylor or not um, will kind of depend on what what the ad options are but that's going to be I, I think that's a that's a tough decision at this point just because he's not he's not like a stud but he's super useful however probably out at least a month and there are only you know two and a half months to go yeah because i think it was albies was six to eight weeks when he went out with his so we gotta imagine it's a yeah. pretty pretty rough go on this one a couple other quick hitters here kurt casali is gonna be out for quite a while with his injury joey bart is back almost went deep in his first at bat but some fan decided to be a dumb fan got me all excited and then screwed it up but uh, i'm i'm a bart believer i don't know if he presses too much in the bigs but there is legit offensive talent in that profile he just hasn't been able to figure it out in the bigs maybe he never will maybe it's just fool's gold but the dude's good so are you going back to the to joey bartwell Dude is good, and I've I've mentioned this in the past, like the, that that transition to Cal. I think we talked pretty in yeah. depth about this when uh, Gabriel Moreno was getting called up with with Toronto. It's just like it's such a hard transition for catchers. A lot of times, you do not see them really start to produce until year three, year four. Joey Bart is still plenty young enough to turn this around. Uh, we're actually seeing it a little bit accelerated timeline with Adley Rutschman, who has absolutely caught fire. Uh, this season, kind of all in one year with Baltimore. Bart's, Bart's been in the in the bigs for a couple years, but um, would not be surprised at all if one of these times it just starts to click for Joey Bart. The, the talent has not gone away. I think it's more of just an adjustment thing. So if you are in two catcher leagues, uh, Joey Bart is, I think, an, an absolutely fine uh, plug-in for your second catcher spot. I'm not super confident in like one catcher leagues. I, I don't know. I wouldn't call him a top, top 12, top 15 catcher the rest of the way. 
but he was probably cut in your two catcher leagues when he went back down. And so um, I would absolutely take a stab. I, I, even, I mean, you're just looking for guys with a pulse and he's going to play with Casali out. Um, I, I forgot about this. This was like over the weekend, but you mean Mercedes is, is on the giants. And Dude, I almost started crying <laughs> the other night. Cause I was, Bad, happy he's, I was happy he was on the giants, but then like, I'm, I think I was recording to the Toby or something. They're playing the D backs. So I got the game on and Mercedes is hitting third. And I'm like, that's Ouch. not a good sign. That's not a good sign. Like, I like him and all, but he does not have to be hitting third in a bay. Like, that was not a good sign. So. No, and it, and it, the other, the other one, the other blast from the past name. I was watching just because I have Trevor Rogers everywhere. Watching a Marlins game, and Williams Astadio was playing yep. second base. I was like, El Tortuga, yeah, not good doing his so. thing. So yeah, some rough days. So anyway, yeah, rough days. Um, it's fun to see those names, and I don't, I don't think your mean Mercedes is gonna. Um, gonna have too yeah. much of an impact there i think bart's gonna get some leash and absolutely interested if i need a second catcher when it comes to weight management we tend to put our focus on what we eat but noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat and that's a game changer noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Most definitely. Brian Bayo, a highly touted Boston Red Sox prospect, made his debut this past week, and it happens in a lot of debuts. Guys are a little jacked up and everything. Four innings, six hits, four runs, three walks, two strikeouts. Not what you'd expect from Bayo, but there were a couple positive notes for those pitching geniuses out there that broke it down. Um, he's going to be a popular ad, I'd imagine, this week with all the injuries in Boston. He should get a couple starts at least to see if he can figure it out. So how, how, I know AL leagues are going to be very aggressive, but how are you uh, How are you approaching him in your other leagues? Uh, it's tough. I watched a start. You could definitely tell, like, I get why there's some prospect shine there. This stuff looked really good. Uh, the ground ball rate in the minors has been fantastic. And, yeah, maybe he was just amped up because the command was not there with those uh, with those three walks. So um, it, it will keep his price down, I think, uh, over Fab. I, I say that, but pitching is such a wasteland, as we've talked about many times, that people may be still paying up. I... I I'm interested. I'm not going to blow the bank. I'm probably in a, in a thousand dollar fab league, like in the, in a main, I probably looking at like $40, which is maybe like, I don't know, um, 20% of my remaining budget. So something like that is, is probably something where I'd look at Bayo just because I, the, the, the talent is there. It has to click with the command and you're kind of baking on it was the first start jitters. So we'll see, but I think we'll get some run. Run. And I really want him to do well because I want that name to stick around because there's so many cool things you could do with Bayo. Oh, yeah. And especially when he's pitching in the Bronx and he's beating them with that Bronx accent, getting very angry at him. That, that, like, they, they, they need to keep him up. That's all I'm saying. I, I have a big sense of humor, so I'm all about uh, having some fun with that. Um, last but not least, Anthony Sclafani out for the rest of the season after having surgery on his foot. Uh, looks like Sammy Long is going to get the first push at it. Don't go crazy, people. 
No, don't go crazy. I think the play here is uh, Jacob Junis. I think yep. Jacob Junis is going to be back. I, well, you probably know better than me, but probably around the All-Star break, maybe a start before that. That's the guy you want to take. Yep. Uh, and and even if you have to eat him, you know, eat him a week on your bench or whatever, yep. if you can go a week early this weekend in Fab and grab Jacob Junis, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I almost did it last week, and I looked at the the notes, and you're supposed to, th to throw probably two more bullpens and then a rehab starter too. So I was going to wait till this week to part putting my bids in. Maybe I'll regret that. Maybe more people will be doing the same thing. But this is definitely the week to go stash some Jacob Junis because we have this full week, um, and then we have the partial All Star game week before we get back to action. So mm -hmm. I'd expect Junis back probably that first full week after that. So go get him now while you can before rumbling because what will happen is he'll make a rehab start while it's the all-star break so it's the only thing people will talk about so now he'll be expensive again the following week so make sure you go and take care of business beforehand all right let's talk i know it's a little different being on a friday so it's not as convenient for some but we can talk some weekend matchups here as we uh head into the weekend and do our thing and then we'll talk contest in a minute but when you're looking at the the weekend matchups, Ryan, uh, what really stands out to you this week? Because we got three in Great American Small Park. That's always the first place I go to, and then but no Coors Field. So what do you like this week? Yeah, no Coors, no uh, no volume advantages or disadvantages. I'm not sure the weather on Friday, but uh, it looks like everyone's playing three games. Easiest matchups according to HQ's tool is Atlanta. They get three games against the lowly nationals um and i think they skip uh josiah gray they do there are a yes. lot of grays pitching yes they do yeah jonathan the other gray's two grays pitching. are pitching yeah. each other yeah yep. tonight but they get yeah so atlanta gets um against gets three at home against the josiah grayless nats milwaukee is another really good matchup uh, they're at home against pittsburgh which um i'm actually That's leaning into that series heavily yes, with my picks are. this weekend yes, so you are a um, couple fun ones like the Cubs go to LA. Cubs have the worst matchup rating of any team this season or this weekend, uh, just because at LA that pitching staff is is fantastic. So staying away from, um, and that's kind of the interesting one. Is like the teams where they're not, you know, it's not like the Yankees or Astros where you're pretty much playing all those guys. It is more like the Cubs. Are you are you starting or sitting? Christopher Morrell, Nico Herner, Schwindel, yeah. Wisdom, like those kinds of guys are more of your like, depending on your league size, your fringe that you want to look at uh, based on matchups. Yeah, I benched. I set my NFPC lineups before the show and I benched all my Cubs unless I didn't have a choice, yep. basically. So that, that definitely happened. Uh, Pittsburgh has a very close runner up to the Cubs in tough matchups against Milwaukee this weekend. Um, and you weren't going to probably start a lot of Pittsburgh Pirates anyways, but that's something to monitor as well. I am surprised. I guess it shows massive respect to the Tampa Bay pitching staff. It also helps that Shane McClanahan's pitching on Friday, which he's the second highest rated pitcher, according to the Baseball HQ uh, ratings for the day, behind Charlie Morton, hint, hint. Um, but Cincinnati's got a tough go there against Tampa Bay. But I, I'm guessing it's mainly McClanahan-based because they are in Great American Small Park, which we tend to love. Um Actually, and that'll be a good series because Cincinnati's throwing out Castillo, Hunter yep. Green, and Ladola. Like that's I was that's very awesome. excited that, to see that. That actually might up. be, yeah, for, might for be the a best Cincinnati the matchup. That might be yeah. the that would be one of the highlights. For 
for viewing quality, that might be the best matchup of the week. Like, because you look at a lot of them, like Cubs, Dodgers, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Houston, Oakland. You're just like, yeah, I'm good. But uh, yeah, you got some talent there in that Cincinnati, Tampa base here. It's like anytime McClanahan hands on the bump, I'm in. I think Seattle, Toronto is interesting. You talked about Toronto and yep. Seattle, like that wild card race. I know it's only July. People think it's crazy, but a, a weekend series, this could make a lot of difference late in the season. So that could be a very fun one as well as teams are trying to find their footing for the wild card so half, half tempted to drive up i5 <laughs> with the with the toddler this weekend and check one of those because uh, toronto they it's it's kind of it's not not a rivalry but seattle being so close to can i know opposite coast but toronto fans show up in seattle and it's almost yeah. like more blue jay fans than than mariner fans sometimes that's always a really just good atmosphere anyway and then on top of that you throw on some some pretty good pitchers going this weekend really on on both sides okay. um that that'll be a fun one to watch for sure. Yeah, that really surprised me. Rowdy Telez was on the Chris Rose rotation this week. Excellent interview. I, I already knew I liked Rowdy before. He's from Northern California. Awesome dude. But uh, he mentioned that that one of the best games for the road with the Jays was always in Seattle. And it took huh. me a second. It took me a second because I'm like, well, they're closer to like Buffalo, New York area. Like, what are they doing? It's just, it, everyone because they want like vacations. They want to go to the West Coast, so they it's like it's the perfect deal. Then they go like down to California, make a whole trip out of it. And he says it's always like 75% Jays fans during that series. He said it's crazy. And and, and, uh, very, and I know it's rowdy to let, but very rowdy Jays fans. They they yeah. like to they like to lubricate and 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 check it out. So it's yeah. a it's a good atmosphere. And yeah, it's funny. Uh funny he mentioned that because I wasn't aware of that interview. Um, because it doesn't really get talked about a lot. I never would have guessed it. Yeah. So I, it's it's would, wild. It's pretty cool. I never would have guessed it. I love to hear that, that teams are traveling like that, but uh, pretty cool stuff indeed. All right, let's play some games here. Um, you want to recap how last week went, or you want me to recap it? I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, it was a bloodbath, man. You you, you, you get the honors. Um, I mentioned last week I was playing Jaron Duran because he's leading off and probably gets him about five at-bats a game, which gets him 15 at-bats, and he had racked up eight runs, RBIs, and hits against the Chicago Cubs. Big fan of that one to the one run RBI and hit from Josh Smith for Mr. Bloomfield. So we'll call that, you know, it's a shame. It only counts as one point in the win column. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but then hey, we went match yeah. play. This is yeah, this, this, yeah, match this play. Is, this is match exactly. Play. Golf terms. This is why I love match play, to be honest. Uh, you can blow up a hole and it doesn't matter. And then on the pitching side of things, and I'm only enjoying this because the week before Ryan kicked my butt. So this is like a victory lapping here. Um, I had Brad Keller pitching four strikeouts. I believe that's against the Oakland Athletics. That's what we were going for there. And then he was very high on Ryan Feltner going up against the Miami Marlins, I believe. Yep. And um, that netted two strikeouts, which is ironic because it was like the week before I thought, okay, I'll play Nick Martinez versus the Rockies. He can probably give me a few strikeouts. And he got one. So it's just such a fun game we play, Ryan. It's so baseball, so predictable. That Feltner two step killed me. It was actually, yeah, it, it was. Um... Minnesota. So it was at Miami. He was, had that yeah. two step at Miami was the first, um, the first of those two. And then Feltner went at Minnesota two strikeouts in each of those two games. And we have not seen or heard from Ryan <laughs> Feltner since yeah. then. So, and then on my, I picked Josh, this is the last time I do this, man. I, I picked Josh Smith just to, just to troll your Ezekiel Duran pick the week before. And maybe yeah, there's something not, about the picking the Rangers. Yeah. Maybe it's something about the Rangers third base position. We should just avoid at all costs. 
Oh, it's too good. Too good. But now we're even on the season. It's yeah, good three. week for you. Now, yeah, now it's um on the season we're we're, we're three we're, and three. We're dead even. So yeah, three and three. It's a beautiful thing. And I will say this much before we get into our picks, there were actually a lot of options, at least in the hitting department this week. And that made it fun. Pitching still pitching, and uh, but hitting is a lot better. So I'll let you have the floor. You said you're leaning heavily into a certain series, so I'll let you have the floor on this one. Yeah, I'm going to hit that Milwaukee-Pittsburgh uh, series. So on the pitching side, I am taking uh, JT Brubaker, who I've actually streamed. Um, I picked him up in mixed labor, 15-team mix, the last couple of weeks, and he's gotten me a couple wins. I think he's 2-7, and seven, but the two wins have been very recently. And has just, in general, been a lot better pitcher lately. So he's got a 428 ERA on the season, 356 ERA over the last month, over Brubaker's last five starts. And you go a little bit deeper into those numbers. Uh, Brubaker has a 21% strikeout rate, so like league average, but the swinging strike, he's getting a ton of whiffs. And swinging strike rate is like the metric I look at to see if uh, that strikeout rate may increase or decrease. And the 13% swinging strike for Brew Baker over his last five starts is is really good, given the alternatives there. So I went Brew Baker. I know he's going, I believe it's on the road at Milwaukee. Um, and my my hitter pick is Milwaukee. We'll, we'll go to your pitcher first, but... Um, I just like the, the the fact that he's missing bats. He has been missing bats over the last month, um, even more so. And so that usually leads to K's. So I'm hoping to get like a handful from uh, from the Brubaker this weekend and take it down. I hope so too, because I actually roster him in a lot of leagues, at least especially 15s. Like there's, there's upside to Brubaker for sure. So I like that pick. That was my runner-up pick, and I was debating between him, but I, I like Milwaukee, so I was kind of timid there. But uh I went with one that has worked that you used earlier this year for a victory. And I think I'm using the same mindset you used that week. And I'm going with Herman Marquez at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Marquez coming off nine strikeout performance in his last go around at the Dodgers. A um, couple of hiccups between that and then struck out seven against the Padres. Um, he's basically struck out six or more in three of, or four of his last six, which I like to see. Struck out seven against the D-backs earlier, earlier this year. They're pretty much letting him go five, six innings, no matter how many runs he gives up these days, which is what I really was looking at when I was looking to stream him. It's like they just have no choice right now because all their pitching's bad. It's like, okay, Herman, you're going to let the bullpen rest a little bit today. It's like, go get him. And he's going to get his five or six innings. He's going to hopefully get you at least a K in inning. And then we've talked about it before on this streaming. That's all you're looking for is a K in inning, and you're going to be okay. Um, D-back strike out quite a bit versus righties the past month. It's never comfortable doing – Herman Marquez, even on the road these days, but I'm going to go Herman Marquez against the Arizona Diamondbacks and cross my fingers that we can get five to six Ks and fewer than four runs, so he makes it six innings. That's what I'm going for. I mean, I like it. Matchups good. I don't. I don't think we. I don't think we in our rules in our constitution uh, can. I, we have a thing where you can pick the same guy twice, so not like a one and done thing. But, uh, no, but yeah, I took Marquez a- for a lot of those reasons earlier on. So. Yeah, we can't do a one it. and done thing. Otherwise, we'll run out of players real quickly. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good done. point. It'll It'd it'll get to so September. Quick. We'll be taking we'll be taking middle. Yeah. I'll be taking Griffin Jacks middle yep. relievers, and uh, it, it might come to that. So we, we'll leave that out of the. I'll, I'll strike it from the Constitution if I. There do. we go. Good to hear. Good to hear. All right, who do you got for your bat this week? Who I have rostered in a lot of draft champions leagues right now, or draft and hold leagues right now. 
Uh, Jace Peterson on the on the bat. So um, kind of going a little bit against Brubaker, but Peterson has really been um, hitting pretty well lately and playing every day against, at least against right-handed pitchers. Um, over the last week, he's been 5 for 15, which is great. Over the last month, Jace Peterson is 20 for 72, hitting like 280 with two homers, two steals. I know steals and homers, I guess homers are, are a category in our thing here because it's runs, hits, and RBI. Um, but that production has come with pretty, pretty solid power metrics across the board. Good contact. Like I just, I like everything. The one downside with Jace Peterson, at least this weekend, he's probably not going to start on Sunday. Uh, Milwaukee gets uh, Jose Quintana, a lefty on Sunday, but the other two ones are Brubaker who, again, I like the strikeout potential, but um, there are some other issues there. And then Thompson on Saturday. So I think Peterson, at least for the two games that he's active, uh, going to be pretty productive. And then I'll, I'll hope for a uh, at bat or two later in the game on Sunday. And we'll, we'll see what, what shakes out there. Yeah, I'm going back. I'd like double check to make sure I didn't use this person yet this year, because I know I mentioned him on previous shows that he's heating up and, then he cooled down real quickly, but he's kind of heating up again. He's homeward in back-to-back games, two or more hits in three of his last five. He's always a streaky guy, but more importantly, Aaron Hicks is facing a actually pretty juicy matchup this week, um, this weekend. He has uh, the Red Sox, but it's Seabold, Crawford, and then the st- potentially struggling Nick Pavetta. So he's got three starts for sure, unless they decide to give him an off day for some reason. Um, he's hitting, he's hit anywhere between third, sixth and seventh. So he might have a great spot in the order to drive in runs and score some runs. And if you just look at his last few games and again, you never know what can happen. If we do the runs hits and RBIs just over the last three games, that's a whopping five, um, nine, that'd be 14. That'd be like some kind of record. So I'm just gonna throw that out there. If you can do half of that, I'm in. So I went with Aaron Hicks just for the upside of the matchups, but there are a lot of good choices this week. I thought that we could add some fun with. And again, for people, it's, Players rostered in less than 50% of NFBC OCs. We couldn't just go willy-nilly out there. But uh, it, it, it makes for a fun fun matchup to look at. Yep, and hopefully something in, in weekly league, or sorry, in daily leagues and that sort of thing. You guys can pick up your own guys and use our at least use our, uh, our, our method or our reasoning for picking some of these guys in, in your own leagues. That's, that's kind of the point of it. And we just, I don't know, we, we are both competitive in like games, so why not yep. do it that way? So. Exactly. It's a little fun to the game. And I, and people have reached out and said they like it. Like we've had people ask us how the standings are going and stuff. So We've had That's requests. It. Maybe we'll make the board here uh, viewable. But yeah, we've had requests for score updates. I don't think during the weekend. I don't, I don't no, think we've, it's usually uh, like a Sunday night we've or reached Monday. that level of, uh, yeah. of, of attention. But yes, we've gotten a few, you know, who won last week kind of a thing. So... We'll see. All right. All right. The moment of the show, everyone looks forward to the bloom boards. And this is a fun one. You know, Ryan tweeted it out last week. He updated the stats for it for this week, but it'll be the top 100 uh, review of ADPs. It'll be hitters and it'll be pitchers. Try to see like who's been producing, who hasn't been, you know, batting average wise power, stolen bases, the, the big roto stats you're looking for, for the most part. So before we dig into it, Ryan, if you want to add anything to what you put together on the bloom board. Not really. I mean, so the the ADP I'm taking is from the NFBC main event. So this is all um, very late March ADP. So a lot of your kind of, I think Julio Rodriguez, was he top 100? He should have been by the March. I'm trying to find him. Um, But like that type of guy would be up there uh, very, you know, because it is a late March thing. So um, ADP is at the end of draft season. 
And basically just wanted to look at, I mean, there's nothing like too deep or metrics or sort of anything like that. More just like a general view. I put the actual bloom board. I did put like the, your main roto category. So for pitchers, I put ERA whip and K's for the starters, ERA whip and saves for the relievers that went in the top 100 and just kind of color coded it. So you could quickly see, and obviously we're not going to talk about everyone in the top 100, but just like general trends uh, that kind of pop up when you do that, you can see where kind of the pockets of green are. Uh, for the starting pitchers there are definitely some pockets of red for hitters so the hitters i just did average homers and steals um, and it's just kind of interesting i think uh to look back at this halfway point and just see like what we thought in draft season that was true you know wait on starting pitching well maybe that works maybe that doesn't uh wait on second base because i know that i was talking about this because there's a whole cluster of second basemen in you know, 70 to 80 range and just pick one of those guys. And so it's just, it's fun to kind of look back um, and, and see so far how your preseason assumptions may be correct, or in my case, often incorrect. It's also fun to see um, where some of the massive value picks are. Cause usually, yep. you know, you know, we, we talk about, we try to predict this game and I'll, and I'll admit there's luck involved. You have to get it right and get the right guy. It's very simple. And if you get that guy that has a career year and he outperforms his draft value by X amount of rounds, it's pretty, pretty obvious what's going to take place here. And seeing some of these names, you're just like, oh, wow, that's impressive. Um, but you mentioned it, a, a lot of green on the hitters and then some red spots. You, most of the early round hitters did pretty well outside. Um, you know, Juan Soto yeah. hitting 231 is quite a shocker. Hit an ADP of four. But really, you don't have too many complaints, at least in the top 10 or 12 there. Um, you know, you weren't expecting Vlad to steal much. But most of your top hitters are at least, I guess, performing the way we'd expect, don't you think? Yeah, the only really the only red that we're looking in the in the first round to the top 15 hitters is the zero bags for Vlad Jr., which you signed up for when you got Vlad Jr. And Juan Soto, like you said, Bubba, hitting 231 that's another uh, red cell in there that's that's pretty fascinating i don't have rbi on here but i would imagine that's pretty good high. too yeah i think most of his home runs have been solo because of the yep. nationals so um, that's the other hitters sure. like early on where you've got red is your injuries so like ozzy albies is red i mean wasn't wasn't lighting the world on fire before the injury but just hasn't had a chance to kind of correct for it Luis Robert nine homers hasn't been great but he's missed a bunch of times so on a on a per game basis he's probably been fine but yeah it's been interesting uh that that first round of hitters like pretty much no matter who you picked you're um you're in really good shape yeah like, you're well, doing Bryce Harper's green part. but not anymore yeah that one's a shame because he might have been like it'll be fun to do like auction values or something at the end of the season and see how they really jumped because he was on his way to a, a big one so yep. That would have been pretty cool. And then it gets interesting. Guys like Buxton, you know, he's hitting only 218 with two steals with 22 homers. So it's been, like, good for powers, not great for most things. So that, that's been rough. But Machado's been awesome. Jordan's been a freak. Um, everyone talks about Aaron Judge, which I get. He's hitting 287, picked 44, 30 homers. But, you know, I guess it's 13 picks earlier, around earlier. But Jordan at 313 with 25 homers. No steals, though. But that's a pretty yeah. crazy stat line. And it goes back to the conversation in the preseason of, why pick Vlad when you can wait a round or two for Jordan? And uh, they're proving that one to be pretty true here. Absolutely. And it was surprising to me that, so I, I mean, I talked about the Toronto rotation at the beginning, kind of alluded to this, but surprisingly, because I don't have Vlad Jr. anywhere. So like he's kind of mm -hmm. off my radar. I just kind of assume he's a 300 hitter and that's, you know, that's part of the package, but 265 for Vlad is, um, is, is bad 
I, I mean, obviously 265 in a vacuum is is above average for batting average, but you rostered Guerrero for that like extreme batting average cushion. The, the homers are there. I mean, the 19 homers, but um, 265 is is certainly not what you signed up for. And even like Bo Bichette, I took Bo Bichette fifth overall yeah. in labor. He's been okay, like 13 homers, five steals, but 257 is also not what I signed up for. And then a little bit further down the list with the red, some of it is injury related, of course, but Tay Oscar, uh, who I've had a lot of as well. Yep um looking looking pretty red for that same reason so just an interesting year in toronto yeah, i'm glad you mentioned t oscar definitely a lot of injury early on he's been back of course and i'm pulling it up because i feel like he's been hitting a little better of late but uh no a lot of zeros in there too so i'm hoping things turn around for him i'll say that much because i had much higher expectations for uh Monty oscar hernandez as well coming into the season um obviously like i said aaron judge is just amazing chris bryant jumped up to adp at 53 finally hit his first home run of the season the other day so yeah that was an oops one homer uh, one zero steals that that's yeah. red on the board and and this board if I'll, I'll probably repost it uh this friday afternoon um so you can kind of if if you're listening you want to track along or whatever um but uh but yeah one one homer zero steals hey chris bryant's hitting 284 um yeah he missed a lot of great. time too yeah, a lot of, lot yep, of empty of time, too. Um, it is interesting, though. We saw Salvi Perez, 211, 11 homers, zero steals. JTR, 247 homers, 11 steals, which is great for a catcher. But uh, you got those two early catchers, even Will Smith. That's pick 66, 253, 13, zero homers. Um, none of the big three catchers, even Varsho, who started out great struggling. It's like the four catchers that are drafted in the top 100. None of them have green except for stolen bases for JTR. So I ask you, in July, for next season, are we not drafting catchers early? Um, that no, That's a really good question. It's also, I mean, None it of just, them are paying off. None of them it, right now. That's true. It is. It, it, brings up the, <laughs> it brings up the bigger question of, and I know we're just halfway through the season now, but let's just assume yeah. for, for argument's sake it stays this way. And obviously with Sal Perez, it will stay this way. How much do you react to one season like this versus um the overall trend like jtr and sal have been you know traditionally that's been a pretty stable value also how do you and this is what i struggle with and maybe we'll get into this a little bit more on the pitching side is how do you um how do you balance the right plan versus the right players yep, so and that, i mean that's the age-old question is like i was a huge component of, of waiting on starting pitching and then powering up with these bats and so far like, like kind of what we're seeing here the early bats have uh produced but when i waited on pitching i got a lot of like trevor rogers and charlie morton who is turning it around a little bit um and i did not take the alec manoas the shane mcclanahan's um was that the right strategy you know it, it ultimately goes back to the the you know nothing groundbreaking here but the players that you pick yeah no it's and and the the catcher thing's also kind of tongue-in-cheek because uh, obviously a lot can change but it's kind of like how you build your team as you're saying so yep even the numbers JTR putting up, if you built your team appropriately, aren't maybe killing you. They might just look red because that's the formula we're using, of course. But for a catcher hitting 240 with 70 homers, 11 steals, probably pretty darn good. It's just what you could have got around him, like two picks later or whatever, you could have got Pete Alonso hitting 281 with 22 homers and two steals. <laughs> so it's like that's what you're looking at, that opportunity cost there. But then when you went no, down to the catcher it, later, and, that whole deal. And it's a good point, too, of like, so, and I'll go back to the Bo Bichette example. Like, I drafted Bo Bichette thinking I would get really good homers, 
really good batting average, really good steals. Hasn't been really good, but it also hasn't been like, and I'll, I'll harken back to the Vlad thing, it hasn't been where he's hitting 50, 60 points below where I thought and built around that. So it's hurting yep. even more. This was always my case. I know we're kind of going all over the place, but this is almost this is always my case against kind of those one-trick pony steals guys. The Mondesi is just, it's so hard to build around that. You draft a Mondesi, you think you're okay in steals. Every projection, every draft software, whatever, is going to have your steals through the roof. Well, it's all eggs in one basket. If that's not there, it's just from an overall team build, like risk standpoint, um, that's something that doesn't get, um, I think, talked about enough. Exactly, hundred percent. And that's kind of like the whole, yeah, what everyone talks about the, the strategy, the the risk reward, all that fun stuff, as well. Um, one, you know, one thing I will yeah. say, like um, one thing that we got, I think, right as an industry, at least again so far halfway through the season, is stolen bases, like. Yeah. Um, every, every podcast you hear stolen bases dry up early, get your bags early. Well, 100%. if you look at the red column and stolen bases starting around like pick 60, it's Randy Rosa Reina with 18 steals, which is shocking. I did not even did not know that your boy jazz with 12. Um, nobody has more than five steals after pick 66. Uh, outside yeah, of this a lot. Too. after like so, round four basically yep so like so far <laughs> that has like i as an industry we kind of that assumption i know you've got like your your john birdie and, and whatever that you can pick up later if you're that lucky one person in your league uh, that has held true so far like stolen bases really have dropped off the map um, after those first few rounds so um, we will give credit to the the larger industry for that one that that's looking like a really sharp call and in in uh, correlation to that, we talk about roster construction for those that took uh, stolen bases early. Maybe you didn't get the guys that have five categories or struggle but a bit in power. Those guys after pick sixty or whatever, you have a lot of power guys. You know, Austin Riley with twenty one, Altuve, Seager, or not all sixteen or more. That's another double digit guy. A lot of guys hitting for decent average too. So it's again, it's it's freaking July. We're, we're talking about roster construction, but when you look back at ADP, this is why we talk roster construction in like February. Um, you don't always have to get the five categories that, you know, Roto Labs or someone says on that first pick. You need to have that by the end of the draft, and you can do that. But this, this, another good use of this grid um, and chart here is to see, like you said, all the red for the stolen bases. Look where the green's at for the average besides the early rounds. There's a decent amount in the back end of the, of the top 100 here. So yeah, there's right. ways to pencil yep. it together that, that you might not stand out right away for you. No, that's a really good point. I didn't really look too much at the average line, but you've got – you know, after pick 60, you've obviously got Goldschmidt, 340, which is just absurd. Austin Riley, 273, Altuve, Arenado, Abreu, J.D. Martinez. Um, a lot of green and, and white, which is kind of middle of the road and not much red for, for average. Um, that's, a, that's a really good point. That also, that, that cluster. So one of the big things I alluded to this before was that, like, that second base cluster. Oh, I yeah. think it was, like, it was in 15 teamers, maybe like the fifth or sixth round, there was just this massive run of second baseman and then nothing after that. So again, just looking back, it was like Javi Baez, complete bust. Yep. Jazz Chisholm um, has Not been, bad. has been, I would say as advertised, missed some time, but like that's, I would say that's a win compared to some of these other guys. Yes. Uh, Brandon Lau, obviously, uh, yeah, a lot of red there. Jorge Polanco hitting 244 with 12 homers. 
uh, Jonathan India. That has been a complete disaster. I know injury related and probably playing hurt when Jonathan India uh, was healthy, but hitting 204, two homers, one steal. And then the last guy in that in that group, and this is the funny part with ADP and get your guy. Uh, if you believed in Jose Altuve, which the market was relative to these other second basemen um, off, he's been the guy of that group that has really uh, that has really popped with 278, 16 homers and six steals. So it's just funny to look back like we could have talked in March and April. And it was almost just, I'll just take any of those second basemen that are around. They're all about the same. Um, that's not the case. It's just interesting to see, uh, even three months later, like how far apart and how different your season might look if you took Brandon Lau versus Jose Altuve. And it's also fun because um, the old conversation of just take the boring guys. And it, it so pans out, like one of the best players in baseball here is Paul Goldschmidt, pick 66. And that was coming off a really good season last year that people were like, ah, it's just it's Paul Goldschmidt. He's been great. Altuve is a great example. That's why he was going behind all those other guys. It's like, oh, he's boring. He doesn't steal anymore. He's got six steals. He might get you 10 plus steals, which would be mm-hmm. such icing on the cake for what you yep. expect. You were thinking maybe five or six for the season. Yep. Um, so that's amazing. Uh, Arenado's doing his thing. Braves, you'd want more power, but still doing his thing. Like a lot of these really boring guys are producing very, very well. I bet you if it went even deeper in ADP, it'd be quite surprising how team boring. And that's why this is a joke that I know he'll laugh at so I can say it. This is why Scott Jenstead's doing so well. He loves playing team boring. And it's working for him very well this season. Um, obviously, you got to avoid injuries. That's big. But uh, there's something to the pedigrees, man. And they're they're producing pretty, pretty well. So it's fun to see it all play out. Any other thoughts on the hitters here? Because I'm going to pull an audible, Ryan, which will make things easy for next week. We'll do pitching next week. That works. That way we don't, um, have, to ru- that way we don't have to rush through it. We can actually spend time on it. Yeah, that works. That's that's perfect. Um, actually, so one last – I think that covers most of them. Actually, one, one other name who was super polarizing has played most of the first half, Wander Franco. Just interesting to look back yeah. and see – uh, that 260 batting average, five homers, five steals. I know there was some missed time there. Um, that that certainly is interesting. And again, Franco could absolutely turn it on the second half and, and blow this away. Um, Marcus Simeon is someone who who popped to me. I thought he would just be, and this is this is the trap that I fall into is you look at April and yep. Marcus Simeon was absolutely terrible in April, and you just kind of I don't have Marcus Simeon on many teams. You kind of that—that's your perception of how Marcus Simeon is doing this year. Marcus Simeon in June hit 287 with seven homers and six steals. Like he actually isn't really that red on this sheet. Where if I ran these numbers uh, six weeks ago, that would be a bright red, dark red. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, like um, not even a top 100 pick, but I'd love. Like this is why this is an exercise I'd be willing to do for like the next hundred too. But I'm a weirdo like that. Like I just love to see like where Kyle Schwarber ranks out on this things like that because he's just his month of June is insanity. But that's a whole other time for a whole other situation. What would be fun is to keep this sheet and then compare back to it in October because yep. to see because then it could justify because Simeon's already a perfect example of just what one month can do. But baseball is such a long season. We always preach patience. Um, or even just do what, like a month to month, like one of those flip books as a kid, like guys that struggled early. I'm like, oh, I should cut this guy, I should whatever. And then all of a sudden, it gets greener, greener, greener. It's like, oh, look, he was what we thought he was. Like, it's one of those little things. It's a, it, patience is hard. I get it, but uh, 
very important for the game of fantasy baseball. So uh, this we is could, a good. We, could, good we chart. could do a live the live for the for the for the watchers for the the live streamers. We we could do our little flip books for each position as we go on the on the camera. See what happens. See what yeah, see what red turns to green. But. It'd be kind of fun because I, I think there'd be more than people would think. Like, mm-hmm. like Simeon's a great example. Just like this is what we're at. But uh, got a couple listener questions that we'll hit up on before we head on out of here. Um, John Dobus, pro- I apologize if I mispronounced that. He's always active in our, our, our questions and our, our listening. Uh, Orlando Arcia on the Braves, really struggling. Time to look elsewhere in dynasty leagues. Um, uh, we were high on him, at least a chance on him getting a chance. I have so far cut him pretty much everywhere I have had him. What do you think? Yep. This is dynasty questions. It's a little different, but I, th- I think you can move on probably. Dynasty, I think you can move on. And I think, and I know we, we kind of... I don't know if hyped is the right word, but we we recommended RC as a fill-in just from the Al- Albies injury. And, you know, it's hard. Like, I mean, RC is at least he's still playing every day and he started out really hot. And so you want to kind of just jump on those guys. I mean, he didn't cost you too much in fab. Um, but yeah, the results have not been there since he's gotten the the regular run. And so I would be looking um already have been looking like you said Bubba kind of cutting him like that 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 makes sense I mean one for 15 last week hitting 212 over the last month so um yep RCL if he gets hot again you could scoop him back up the following week it's not someone who I'm tied to especially especially in dynasty I I I don't know how how often he would get this opportunity or this audition again in uh in next year or the year after most definitely. Robbie Lester asks, speaking of regrets, Steven Matz, what do you see rest of season? Yeah, that has been a very regretful one there. I got, I don't even know when he's coming back from his injury, so I don't know. Yeah, that, well, that's that's the problem. Is it's, it's just such an unknown um, with a shoulder injury. I guess he's on – I guess he's pretty far deep into his rehab. Uh, pitching, let's see, his third start in AAA. Maybe all-star break. So maybe he, yeah, maybe he is one of those kind of all-star break guys. Matt's was one of the guys where like, I mean, if, I mean, the shoulder kind of clouds everything up and this was a legitimate shoulder injury. It's not one of those all-star break rests that we were talking about earlier, but like, I mean, Matt's did have a, so a six ERA, but a 299 XFIP, like the ERA indicators look really good for Matt's. He's, he's missing bats 11%. Swinging strike rate, um, not keeping on the ground, which hurts. So um, I think it just all depends on on how that shoulder holds up. But from an actual skill standpoint, like a twenty two percent K minus walk rate is is one of the best out there. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not I'm not expecting him to fully break out or anything in the second half. But if that shoulder holds up, I think there's absolutely the chance that he is more of like a I don't know four ERA guy in the second half, which isn't great, but that, that works. Um, yep, that gets you out of me. streaming. So anything uh, that gets th- you out of streaming is, is a good thing. Let me throw this at you real quick. Uh, if assuming match comes back and the shoulders, okay. Steven Matz or Jacob Junis. Um, I would go Junis. I think Junis is just a little safer. Gotcha. Uh, ben Tidd just has a statement. He says, not sure if you need to mention this on the pod, but there's a lot of red for hitters, ADP 54 to 100, which you agreed mm-hmm. to on Twitter and we definitely talked about on the show. Yep. And uh, it's funny, like, well, um, yeah, so we'll talk about pitchers next week, but um, a lot of pitchers around that that range, there's a lot of green. So yep. um, if you pick the right ones. 
Nate Curtis asked middle infielders, like he's talking about the chart, like Jonathan India and Bo Bichette. Those are definite ones we hit on both India. I even have India bench this week. We have three great American small park games. Yeah. It hurts. It really hurts. Like it was very, like part of me almost said, no, it's Jonathan India, but I'm like, it's Jonathan India right now. Like I'm, so I'm expecting a massive weekend for anybody that's keeping track. Um, and just, and just one thing on that, like, um, I know I got to run in a couple minutes, but like we talked so much about in the preseason, how first base is shallow and it's just an absolute given that middle infield is deep. We don't really know if that's the yeah. case. And you're seeing that this year, like there have been like Anthony Rizzo has the first base are producing in a big way. First base Crone, is actually, Hoskins, yeah, like... exactly. Like CJ Crone is, is an absolute monster. Like Josh Bell has been base. hitting like, yeah. First base. If, if we, and everyone said first base was shallow, get your first baseman or wait. Um, that that has not been the case and most years that that's true not just first base specifically but what you think is a deeper shallow position during the season or before the season um is not always the case i think one thing we should probably clarify in the future shallow might mean more like shallow once guys get hurt the depth in that regard but to start the season it's probably not that bad um brandon w is the birdie ride coming to an end is wendell sneakily gonna have more value rest of season is it sacrilegious to even ask this i was worried but he's let off the last couple games again so i think we're still good when jazz comes back that's the telling point it's funny it's yeah it's not sacrilegious and it's funny the timing of this so ray murphy uh put out a playing time tomorrow column uh on friday at hq the title of the column uh is bye bye birdie and so ray just kind of Ray just kind of, I mean, it's, it's speculative, but Ray basically came to that conclusion that once everyone, and again, not a given, but I shouldn't say once, if everyone comes back and is healthy at the same time in Miami, John Birdie doesn't really have a spot. I know he's played a little bit of outfield, but John Birdie's probably a three to four game a week guy if everyone is all healthy at the same time. Now, what are the chances of that happening? Uh, probably pretty low. That's why Birdie is where he is in the first place. Um, and even still, if depending on how badly you need stolen bases, maybe you still play John Birdie three or four times a week because he'll still get you five or six steals. So um, definitely. It, yeah. Last one for you. Then we'll get you out of here. Little Book of Calm. Over under 70 innings pitched rest of season for Spencer Strider. Really good thought. Um, I'm going to say under. I just, given, given the history, given the, the transition from, rota- uh, from bullpen to rotation, like the volume has not been there for Spencer Strider. Drafted in 2020, so we don't know what he did in, in 2020. In 2021, he had like uh, just under 100 innings, and he's already at 65 this season. Um, so, they're going to treat him with kid gloves as they should. I mean, it's an amazing story, but 70 innings, I'll take the under. And then buy or sell top 15 starting pitcher next year. I'd say under or sell, but I'd say, yeah, I always don't know how to answer uh, above, below, whatever. Yeah. I think he'd be out to, outside the top 15. Just That's because where I'm at, yeah. I, I would, I would wager basically any pitcher to be outside the top 15 next season, just because of injuries and especially like with Strider's lack of volume and just youth. Um, Certainly would love to see him. He's he's yeah. fun as heck to watch, uh, but I'll play it safe. I'll say outside top 15. Shout out to Joe Met in the chat. Thanks for the kind words. Wanted to bring that up before we Sir. head on out of here. But uh, Ryan, as always, great episode. I'll get you out of here. We'll do it again next week. We'll talk pitching. Be a ton of fun. But uh, yeah, thanks again, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. You do the same. Baseball in a couple hours. Let's do this. Yeah. Check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ. I'm at BDN Chicken. This was another episode of Bubba in the Bloom. Catch you guys later. Brew Baker.
Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.